19 tonight, 1 Kings chapter number 19. Pastor, yes. I have one more question. Uh, there's three young ladies that we've been picking up on the bus for years, uh, Ashley, Naomi, and Isaiah. They're both at Taylor Park. They're going to be moving uh, in two weeks uh, to another county in the state, too far to come to church. We pray that they find a good church to continue on going. They've come a long way. They have. Yes, ma'am. Let's do pray for them. I know, I know at least some of the girls are really struggling with the move. So just pray that the Lord be with them. All righty, 1 Kings chapter number 19. 1 Kings chapter number 19. This is a familiar passage of Scripture. And this passage of Scripture is where we get the phrase, a, a still, small voice. And many of you, I'm sure, have heard people say, you know, that God speaks in a still voice small voice. Well, interestingly enough, this is the only place in the Bible where you find that phrase, a still small voice. But we get that phrase from this story here in 1 Kings chapter number 19. And so we're going to start our reading in verse number 7, and then we are going to read down through uh, verse number 18. The Bible says, And the angel of the Lord came again the second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat, because the journey is too great for thee. And he arose and did eat and drink and went in the strength of that meat forty days and forty nights unto Horeb, the mount of God. And he came thither unto a cave and lodged there. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, and he said unto him, What doest thou here, Elijah? And he said, I have been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts, for the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant, thrown down thine altars, and slain thy prophets with the sword. And I, even I only, am left, and they seek my life to take it away. And he said, Go forth and stand upon the mount before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind rent the mountains and break in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still, small voice. And it was so when Elijah heard it that he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood in the entering in of the cave. And behold, there came a voice unto him and said, What doest thou here, Elijah? And he said, I have been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts, because the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant, thrown down thine altars, and slain thy prophets with the sword. And I, even I only, am left, and they seek my life to take it away. And the Lord said unto him, Go. Return on thy way to the wilderness of Damascus, and when thou comest, anoint Hazael to be king over Syria. And Jehu, the son of Nimshah, shalt thou anoint to be king over Israel. And Elisha, the son of Shaphat, of Abel-Meholah, that shalt thou anoint to be the prophet in thy room. And it shall come to pass, that him that escapeth the sword of Hazael shall Jehu slay, and him that escapeth from the sword of Jehu shall Elisha slay. Yet have I left me seven thousand in Israel, all the knees which have not bowed unto Baal, and every mouth which hath not kissed him. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this day. I thank you, dear Lord, for your goodness. I thank you, Lord, for this passage of Scripture. I thank you, dear Lord, for the truth, Lord, that you showed to me out of this passage of Scripture, Lord, as we prepared this lesson. And, and Father, tonight as we uh, look at this uh, situation, Lord, this experience that Elijah went through, Father, I pray as we look at this that, 
Lord, we will be able to make applications that, Father, will apply to us and will apply to our life. And, Lord, that it will help us to understand, Lord, how we can better serve you and, Lord, what it is that you desire from us, Father, I pray. I thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to be in your house tonight. I thank you, Lord, that we are able to come together. We're able to share our requests one with another. Lord, together as a group, we're able to lift those requests before you. And, Father, know that you will hear and answer our prayers. I thank you, dear Lord, for the opportunity, uh, Lord, to look at your word. I pray that you'll bless in the service, be it the CG3 program tonight, be it those that are teaching downstairs. And, Father, I pray that all that's done, uh, Lord, that you will be glorified. And, Father, we'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Here in this passage of Scripture, we find that Elijah was sent by God to Mount Horeb for an appointed meeting with the Lord. Now, earlier in chapter number 19, if you were here last week, you remember that Elijah, he had came to the end of himself. Elijah had called down fire. Elijah had slain the prophets of Baal. Elijah had prayed and the rain had fell. Elijah had outran the chariot going back. All these things. We had seen the hand of God on Elijah's life. And then we see that after all this was done, that Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done. And Jezebel sent word to Elijah that she was going to kill him. Elijah was physically exhausted. He was emotionally trained. He was mentally weak. And when you find yourself at that point, it is hard to maintain your spiritual being. And Elijah found himself in a very vulnerable state. And when he heard the threat of Jezebel, he ran. He ran for his life. He left his servant, and then he ran into the wilderness a day's journey. And when he got a day's journey into the wilderness, Elijah, the Bible says, sat down underneath a juniper tree. And Elijah had reached a point of desperation. Elijah had reached a point where he did not know how he was going to go on. At first when he ran, he was trying to preserve his life. But as he went into the wilderness, I imagine in Elijah's mind, he was thinking about all that had been accomplished. And then he realized that the children of Israel, as he saw it, was still against him. He saw that the leadership of Israel was still against him. He saw that they were seeking his life. And as he went into the wilderness, he became more and more filled with the spirit of desperation. As he began to think of all that needed to be done and how incapable he was of doing it, he eventually came to a place of despair. He came to a place where he said, there's no way that I can ever make a difference in the children of Israel. There's no way that we're ever going to get them to turn away from Baal worship. There's no way that we're ever going to get them to go back to God. They are seeking my life. And Elijah realized within his own reasoning and in his own mind that the only thing left for him was to die. Either Jezebel was going to kill him or God was going to mercifully take him. But in Elijah's mind at this point of vulnerability and exhaustion, there was nothing left for him to do. He sat down underneath the juniper tree and he asked that God would take his life. However, God had a completely different perspective. I just interject right here. Aren't you glad that God has a different perspective 
than you and I do. Aren't you glad that God sees things differently than we do? And as we get to the end of the lesson tonight, we will see that God saw things completely different than Elijah. He had a completely different perspective. Elijah saw it as hopeless. Elijah saw it as there was no point to go on. Elijah seen it that the only thing left for him to do was die. But God had a completely different perspective. And in verse number 7, we see that God sent an angel who brought Elijah some much-needed rest and nourishment. He brought him some rest. Elijah went to sleep. He fed him. Elijah slept some more. He woke up. He fed him some more. And I tell you what, Elijah was feeling much better. And once Elijah got to feeling better, and he got his physical stability up again, and his mind began to clear out again, God said, we've got something for you to do. And we see that God directs him to an appointed refreshment. God appointed Elijah to an appointed season of refreshment. God understood the state that Elijah was in. Elijah was just flesh and flesh is weak. And God understood the state that he was in. And so God knew that Elijah needed some refreshment. In verses 7 down through verse number 9 it says, And the angel of the Lord came again the second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat, because the journey is too great for thee. And he arose and did eat and drink when in the strength of that meat forty days and forty nights uh, unto Horeb, the mount of God. And he came thither unto a cave and lodged there. I believe that God knew that Elijah needed a time of restoration and refreshment. He knew that Elijah needed some time away from the constant pressure of Ahab and Jezebel. He needed a break from the idolatrous wickedness of the people of Israel. Elijah needed recharged. He needed some time alone with God. And so God sent him to Horeb. The angel woke him up and said, Eat, because God is getting ready to send you on a long journey. You're going to be doing a lot of hiking. You're going to need a lot of food. God is sending you to a special place. And the Bible says that he ate and he arose and he went to Horeb. Now Horeb was indeed a special place. Mount Horeb is where God met with Moses. It is very likely. Matter of fact, most commentators suppose that the cave that Elijah stayed in was the cleft of the rock that God hid Moses in when the Bible says that Moses had asked God if he could see him. And God said, no, you can't see me. But I'll put you in a cleft of the rock and I'll cover you with my hand. And after I'm gone by, I'll let you see my after parts or he'll allow Moses to see the afterglow of the glory of God. And it's very likely uh, that this cave that Elijah was dwelling in uh, is the very spot where Moses was uh, when he saw the afterglow of God. And so God said to Elijah, he said, you need some restoration, uh, so I'm going to send you to a place uh, where you can receive uh, this re recharging, this refreshment uh, that you need. God brought Elijah to a place where he could reflect. He brought Elijah to a place where he could remember, where he could be reminded of the faithfulness of God. You know, I know that the Bible teaches that God can meet with me anywhere and everywhere. But I believe that God allows places to have a special significance to mankind. So that when we return to that place, 
the memories of that place, the memories of God meeting with us in that place will come back to our minds and help us get us ready to meet with God. Maybe you don't have any special places, but I know of some places where God worked in my heart and those places will always have a dear and special memory to me. Some of them I can go back to. Some of them they're no longer able for me to go back to. But they are some special memories in my mind of things that took place there. And when I go to that place and those memories come back, it seems like I am more open and more willing to allow God to work in my heart. I believe that although God can meet with you anywhere and everywhere and although he could have met with Elijah anywhere and he could have taken care of Elijah anywhere, he could have restored Elijah anywhere, he said, Elijah, go to Horeb. Elijah knew about Mount Horeb. Elijah knew the significance of Mount Horeb. Elijah knew that Mount Horeb was where Moses had met with God. Elijah knew that God had made himself manifest there. There was no better place for Elijah to go get this refreshment than at Mount Horeb. The Bible says that he traveled 40 days and 40 nights, and he came to Mount Horeb, and there was a cave, and that he lodged in the cave. I don't know how many days he lodged in the cave before God showed up, but I have to imagine as he was journeying, through the wilderness towards Mount Horeb. Elijah knew about the children of Israel wandering in the wilderness for 40 years. And for 40 days, he wandered in the wilderness, making his way to Mount Horeb. And as he was sitting there in that cave, and he was remembering all that he had read and all that he had heard of the works of God in the children of Israel, as Elijah was there, these memories were coming back. I'm sure that God was beginning to refresh his soul. You know the best thing you can do to refresh your soul whenever you feel like you're getting away from God and you're getting exhausted in this life, the best thing you can do to refresh yourself is to begin to remember the mighty works of God. Remember when God God is working your life. Remember the blessings that God has given to you and it will restore you and it will refresh you and it will encourage you as Elijah sat there in that cave just all by himself and he began to remember that this was the place where God had met with Moses and he wandered in the wilderness and remembered how God had cared for his children, how God had provided for the children, how God had fed man for the children. Elijah was remembering what God had done at this place. As Elijah sat there, he began to think that this was the very place, perhaps, where Moses, seeing the afterglow of God, Elijah, I'm sure, began to wonder, is God going to meet with me? And God didn't disappoint. He didn't disappoint at all. Because we see in verse number 11 and verse number 12 an apparent revelation. And he said, Go forth and stand upon the mountain before the Lord, and behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind rent the mountains, and break in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind, and after the wind an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake, and after the earthquake a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire, and after the fire a still, small voice. Now I want you to recognize something about this passage of Scripture. Although God, the Bible says, was not in the wind, the earthquake, the fire. God did cause the wind, the earthquake, and the fire. But Elijah was wanting a conversation with God. God demonstrated to Elijah that he was in control 
of each of these elements, that he could use each of these elements uh, for himself, uh, and that he caused them, uh, and that he controlled them. But God was not speaking through them. Elijah had gone to the mount uh, for the purpose uh, of hearing from God. And although he was witnessing some powerful evidences uh, of God's power, uh, he was waiting uh, on God to speak to him. He was waiting on the voice of God. You know what? To be in the midst of God's power is awesome. To be present when he demonstrates his power that can be breathtaking. To stand in wonder at his ability, I believe, is something that every Christian ought to experience. But living in the wonder of his ability will never replace personal communication with God. There are some people who get so excited about the big works of God and the big movements of God that they begin to pursue the big acts of God and they neglect the personal conversations and the personal communications between them and God. And it is awesome to see the power of God. It is awesome to see the strength of God. It is wonderful to see how He works and what He can accomplish. But His miracles do not compare to what the personal relationship can do for me. We're humans and we can't always live on an adrenaline high, which is what miracles create inside of us whenever we're experiencing it. In order to continue keeping up with the power of God, we have got to have some alone time and have some conversation with God. Elijah saw the earthquake, he saw the fire, he heard the wind, he said, God, I, could, I was the one that brought the fire down from heaven. I've seen your power. God, what I need right now is some alone time with you. The Bible says that there was a steel small voice. Elijah knew the difference between the miraculous and the personal. When he heard it in verse number 13, we see his accurate recognition. He heard that still small voice, the Bible says in verse number 13, and it was so when Elijah heard it, that he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood in the entering end of the cave. And behold, there was a voice unto him and said, What dost thou hear, Elijah? Elijah was waiting for the voice of the Lord. And when he heard it, he recognized it, and his response makes it clear that Elijah was interested in what God had to say because he made himself available. You know what? Too often God desires to speak. Too often God does speak. But we are too busy to make ourselves available to talk with God. God wants to communicate with his children. God wants to talk with his children. God wants to give us uh, that connection with him that we need in order to thrive as Christians. Uh, God wants to give it to us, uh, but too often we're too busy to listen. But Elijah made himself available. Whenever he heard that still small voice, uh, he came out, he recognized the voice of the Lord. And then we see that the Lord began the conversation by asking Elijah why he was at Mount Hor. Now, to me, this seems like a strange question because God sent him there. God sent him to Mount Horeb. God said, I want you to go. You need this meat. You've got a long journey. Go to Mount Horeb. And so here he is at Mount Horeb, and God wants to speak to him. Elijah makes himself available, and God says, why are you 
the inside of people's hearts. And he knew that there was something on the inside of Elijah's heart that he needed to bring to the surface. You know what? A lot of times when God wants to talk to you, he knows that there's something on the inside of you that he wants to bring to the surface. Have you ever went to pray? Not praying over your food or anything like that, but you, you seriously want to pray about something. And you go to get ready to pray, and as soon as you start praying, there's something in your life that comes to your mind immediately. You ever experienced that? You try to dismiss it so that you can go on with your prayer, and it comes back. You try to dismiss it, it comes back. God knows that there is something in your heart that needs to be brought to the surface so that we can deal with it so that you can go on in your Christian walk. This is what happened here. He said, Elijah, what are you doing here? Because he wanted to bring something to the surface. And we see in verse number 14 that indeed Elijah had an assumed reason why he was there. It says that he said, I have been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts because the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant thrown down thine altars, slain thy prophets with the sword, and I, even I only, am left to seek my life and take it away. Although the threat of Jezebel was several weeks past and many miles away, it was still at the forefront of Elijah's mind. He was no longer hoping to die, but he did still believe that he was the only prophet of God and that his life was in danger. He wrongly assumed that God had sent him to Horeb to protect him from Jezebel. Elijah wrongly assumed that God had sent him here and put him in the cave so that Jezebel wouldn't kill him. But God wanted to bring this to the surface. He wanted Elijah to confront his fears so that God could tell him what was really going on. What was really going on is that God was refreshing and recharging him and getting him ready to send him back in the service. The Lord made it clear that this trip was not for Elijah's protection because the battle of righteousness was not over. It wasn't time to run and hide. It was time keep fighting. In verses 15 and 16 we see Elijah was assigned his next responsibility. He received a responsibility. In verse 15 and 16 it says, And the Lord said unto him, Go, return on thy way to the wilderness of Damascus, and when thou comest, anoint Hazael to be king over Syria. And Jehu, the son of Nimshot, shalt thou anoint to be king over Israel. And Elisha, the son of Shaphat, of Abel-Meholah, shalt thou anoint to be prophet in thy room. Now that Elisha was refreshed and recharged, it was time to get back to work. It was time to get back in the saddle. It was time to put his hands back on the plow. There was more work to be done. But before God sent him back into the heat of the battle, we see in verses 17 and 18 that he addressed Elijah's greatest concerns. Boy, I tell you, if, if, if it's not for you, it is to me. This is the best part of the whole story right here. This, was the, this news, Elijah was not expecting. Elijah was convinced that he was the only follower of God left. And he was also convinced that his life was soon going to end. We see in verse number 17 that God addresses these concerns and gives Elijah some astonishing reassurance. In verse 17 it says, And it came to pass, that him that, and it shall come to pass, that him that escapeth the sword of Hazael shall Jehu slug. And him that escapeth from the sword of Jehu shall Elisha slug. Yet have left me 7,000 in Israel, all the knees which have not bowed unto Baal, and every mouth which hath not kissed him. 
When God asked Elijah what he was doing, Elijah expressed two concerns. He said, I have two, two concerns, two things I'm worried about. He said, first of all, he said, all of Israel has turned to Baal worship. He said, the second thing I'm concerned about is that I'm the only servant of God left. God, you're pretty much done. I don't know if you know this or not, but once I die, your work here on earth is over with. I, I mean, I'm the only one you got left. These are my two concerns. All of Israel worship failed. I'm the only one you have left. God sent him back into service. God assured him of two things. First of all, God told him in verse number 17 that he had a plan in place to eradicate Baal worship out of Israel completely. He said, Elijah, I know you're pretty worried about the fact that all of Israel seems to be worshiping Baal. He said, but I want you to know we've set a plan in place. He said, Haziel is going to take care of a bunch of them. He said, then Jehu's going to get the ones to stay this. And then Elisha, he'll get the ones to stay this. He said, Elijah, don't you worry about Baal worship. I've got it well under control. I have a plan in place. You're just an instrument that's helping me, but I'm the one that's in control of this situation, and I know how it's going to be handled. And then he assured Elijah that he wasn't the only one. He had 7,000 followers who had not bowed down to the idolatrous practice of Baal worship. In other words, he said to Elijah, Elijah, I've got this in control, and you're definitely not the only one who is still serving me. You know, there's a few things I see here. First, it doesn't matter what we find ourselves up against. We can rest assured that God always has gotten under control. Whatever you find yourself up against, whatever obstacle it seems you cannot overcome, whatever's coming to your life that you can't seem to find a way around, God has always got it under control. To Elijah, this was a hopeless cause to the point he was ready to die. God said, Elijah, I got this well in hand. It doesn't matter what you're up against. God has it well in hand. He's got it under control. He knows what's going on. And then the second thing that you and I can remember is that we are not alone in this battle. There's going to be many, many times throughout your life where you're going to feel like you are alone in your battle. Whatever the battle is that you're facing, you're going to feel like you're alone in the battle. There's no one else that cares. There's no one else that stands for the truth. There's no one else that's wanting to do right. There's no one else that's wanting to reach the lost. You are all alone. You are all by yourself. There's nobody else interested in helping. There's nobody else interested in doing the work of the Lord. And God is going to say to you, I want you to know you are definitely not the only person serving me. You are one of many. The Bible tells us that there will always be a remnant. There will always be a group of people who are serving God. There will always be a group of people who are going after God. And at times we may feel that we're alone. But we can look at Elijah here and find out that even when we feel that we're all alone, God says, you're definitely not by yourself in this battle. If I can send you home with a couple things, that I learned from this lesson and maybe it would be a help to you. First of all, don't neglect your personal time with God. So many times, life gets busy. We're pursuing the bigger things. Personal time with God gets put on a back burner. Don't neglect your personal time with God. We all need to be recharged and refreshed each and every day of our lives. Don't neglect spending time with God you and him, quiet time and a quiet place, allowing God to nurture your soul. And then second thing that I believe we can all learn from is for us to do as he commands. 
and leave the strategy up to him. Just say, God, whatever it is you want me to do, I'll do it. I'll leave the strategy and the planning up to you. I'll let you handle that. You just tell me what you need me to do, and I'll do it, and I'll not worry about it. We serve the great commander. There's no need for us to try and figure out exactly everything that he's got planned. All we need to do is trust that he knows what's going on and serve him to the best of our ability. Elijah went to Horeb. God said, Elijah, why are you here? Then God said, let's take care of those worries and those fears, and let's send you back into the battle. You know what? Sometimes we need to go to God in prayer. We need to tell God why we're here. God, there's some things that worry me. There's some things that's wearing me down. There's some things that, that's keeping me from serving you. God says, thanks for bringing that to the surface. Now let's reassure you. I've got this under control. Father, thank you for this day. I thank you for your word. I thank you, Lord, for this story. Lord, what a blessing it was to me as I studied it and prepared it. And Father, I pray as we preached it tonight that, Lord, you'll take my words and, Lord, that you'll transform them. Lord, that they will fit each person's situation and each person's need. And, Father, Lord, that we'll go away from this place being held by the truth of the word of God. Thank you for your goodness. Bless us as we go our different ways. Give us opportunity, Lord, to tell someone about you. Father, we'll praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Amen.